Maybe that is a conversation with a partner that says, hey, I realize that I have needs, but I also notice that I avoid them because I worry that if I bring it forward to you, you're going to think I'm needy or you're going to think that I can't handle things on my own and I worry about you having that narrative about me. Okay, great. Opens up dialogue, you know, going off the assumption that we have relationships where we can have those conversations. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 76 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. You guys know that I freaking love bringing on guests from all different types of backgrounds. And today I have on the queen of relationships, Vienna Farron. And if you've ever wanted to have a better relationship, romantic or otherwise, maybe work through some struggles from your past or learn the tools for becoming a more self-aware, emotionally intelligent human, which honestly, we should all strive to check those boxes, then you are are in for a treat, my friend. Vienna is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she has a private practice in New York City, but I personally found her from her epic Instagram page, Mindful MFT, where she gets into all things like relationships, personal growth, and that tough inner work that we should all be doing. And she is a genius about really like kind of hard to navigate things like bridging the gap between conflict and connection, how our past impacts the way we show up in present relationships and the people that we attract and the type of arguments we find ourselves getting into. Like somehow she makes all of this messy stuff feel a lot clearer and she's just incredible. Vienna uses warmth, compassion, intuition, optimism, and collaboration to help people And today, she's like the therapist fairy godmother blessing us with so much wisdom and tons of actionable takeaways as always. This episode could be the single most important puzzle piece to any change or upgrade you're looking for in the new year within yourself, with others. And I think this is really, really important work because let's be real, our relationship with ourselves and our relationships with others are kind of the two dynamics that make our world go around. So I cannot wait for you to dig into this episode and learn from Vienna because she's just incredible. This episode is brought to you by the Grind and Be Grateful Accelerator, which is my brand new intimate 16-week group program that teaches online coaches how to scale to 5k months and make an incredible impact in the lives of other women. Like I said, the Accelerator is a shiny brand new program that is built for current or aspiring online coaches by an online coach who gets it aka me. So if you are a current or aspiring online health, fitness, wellness, lifestyle coach who's got a big dream and big ambitions to help other women, but this whole like entrepreneurship thing turns out it's a lot harder than it looks on Instagram. If that is you and you're feeling like you need a plan, you need support, strategy, a hype squad, and most importantly, someone who has been where you want to go, this is literally made for you. And across 
16 value-packed weeks, we will cover everything you need to start and scale your online coaching business to 5K months and secure a roster full of your dream clients. This isn't magic, and I definitely wouldn't say that it's necessarily easy, but it is 100% possible for ambitious women who are ready to start making an impact, implementing what they learn, and building their dream business. I could not be more excited to kick off the accelerator in January of 2020. So now is the time to enroll and lock in your spot. Plus for the first 10 women that sign up for the accelerator, you will get a bonus one-on-one call with me, which is valued at over $400. So you're essentially getting a $400 bonus for free just for being an action taker and one of the first people to sign up for this incredible opportunity. You can get more information and secure your spot at bit.ly slash gbg accelerator. Again, that's bit.ly slash gbg accelerator. We'll have the link in the show description, the show notes, so that you can click it right there, but you can also just type that straight into your bio. Again, gbg accelerator, and I cannot wait to kick this off in January. You know, this is really born from, number one, I love business. Like, I am such a business nerd. I went to business school and I think growing my business and just learning everything, investing over $100,000 in mentors and courses on the business end of things has really shown me how cool it is to have all the tools and support and strategies you need to literally build your dream and create the life that you have always wanted to live. Like That is so cool. And then on the other hand, I'm also super excited to do this just to give other heart-centered coaches the tools that they need to succeed and serve other women because I'm only one person and I can only work with so so many women over the course of a month or a year. And so this is a way to create this incredible ripple effect and really spread the power of balanced living and health and wellness to women all across the world, women that I would never have enough time to work with. So I'm super, super excited to be taking a few women, a small group of women under my wing through this 16-week group program and really equip them with everything that they need to start making the impact that's on their hearts and also start making an incredible income to match. So if that sounds like something you're excited about and you really want to get serious about your business and coaching goals in 2020, then again, head to bit.ly slash GBG Accelerator and get signed up. Again, the first 10 women to join will get a bonus private call with me, which is valued at $400. So you're getting a $400 bonus just for being an action taker. I love me an action taker. Last but not least, let's do the review of the week. This one comes from AK Web. 87. <laughs> and she said, I have recently started listening to podcasts maybe two months ago for many, many hours while at the gym, driving, cooking, etc. I love the passive multitasking. And I am so grateful for this podcast. I was able to find the strength to stick up for myself in the workplace, get a new job and follow my heart on the path to a fulfilling career change and even take a month off between jobs to come up with a plan, practice an abundance of gratitude and just love on myself and the wonderful blessings in my life. Thank you for this podcast. It is truly inspiring. Wow, what a freaking glow up. And honestly, it's just so cool to hear that this show had such a positive, strong impact. 
and the fact that it played a role in like spurring you into action to really make these changes and start creating a new future for yourself my heart is overflowing that's so so awesome and I know f- that I speak for the entire Grind and Be Grateful community when I say that we are so proud of everything that you have been doing to make that a reality. So, AK Web, I'm not sure what your uh, first or last name is, but please send me a DM on Instagram so that we can send you a little wellness goodie in the mail. And if you are listening and you're not AK Web 87, then go ahead and leave a rating and review on the show page on either iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, and you will automatically be entered to be the review of the week. And that means that we read your review on the show, send you a surprise wellness goodie as a sign of our appreciation and our gratitude for your support because our ratings and reviews really, really help the show grow, reach new people. And if it has been valuable to you and has made any type of positive impact on your life, that is a great way to send the love back to us. So thank you in advance if you go ahead and leave us a rating and review. It takes one minute but makes our entire day, makes my world go around to be honest. So thank you, thank you, thank you if you are someone who has already left a rating and review or if you are pausing the show right now to go do that. Now without further ado, let's get into this interview with our special guest, Vienna Farron. Hi, Vienna. Welcome to the Grind to Be Grateful Thank podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited, and I think it's safe to say that this is like max excitement level for me for this episode. And it's not just because like I love talking relationships, but even more so because I know that whatever we get into today will really spark some great perspective and healing and growth for our listeners. And I know personally speaking, if they're not familiar with you already, like your Instagram posts, your captions, all the content that you put out for free, like really is mind-blowing and oftentimes leaves my jaw on the floor multiple times a week. So I'm really excited um, to have some new ears and like new minds tune in to your oh, wisdom thank today. You. That's, that feels really good to hear. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful platform when, you know, used well to be able to give out content yeah. that, you know, leaves people thinking or having a new perspective on, you know, relationships or family systems. So I'm glad that it lands for you. For sure. So can you tell us a little bit about who Vienna is and how you got drawn into marriage and family therapy and what you do now and who yeah, you serve absolutely. now? So um, I am uh, I'm an only child who uh, grew up in a, a family system where separation um, happened when I was five years old. Um, the divorce process was a nine-year process, um, so mm-hmm. really drawn out, and um, you know had many, many, many hard, hard moments along the way. But I think within the context of you know how I came to this work in this field, as as many therapists, um, you know, there's something that's that has happened in our lives that brings us to, you know, a space where we want to become curious and sort of educate ourselves, um, which, which oftentimes is a big part of the healing process for us. And so for me, um, you know, obviously witnessing and observing a relationship that was, you know, at the time really crashing and burning, um, 
I became curious about relationships and um, from a pretty unevolved place, I think, you know, the young me was how do I make sure that I never experienced something like this before? Because when you see, mm-hmm. you know, when you see the trauma and you see the, the wounding and the pain happening um, and also being a participant in it all and, and feeling it as well, um, you know, it's, it's scary. And it's one of the things that you really don't want to recreate for, for your own life. And uh, so I think I, I went into it with, sort of that curiosity and that desire to like make sure that that never happens to me. Um, that's mm. obviously evolved through the work and, and over time. And now, so as a licensed marriage and family therapist, I work with individuals and couples and families within the context of relationships, of course. Um, I do tend to focus more within um, familial and romantic dynamics um, and mm. just understanding the patterns that we recreate, um, how we're able to sort of move through some of the dysfunction or some of the things like the programming and the conditioning that we've, that we've taken with us, um, from our family right. systems. And it's all of the, all of the years that really program and code for us. And then how we become, um, people in the driver's seat of our own lives, where we start to integrate the change that we need to see happen in order to heal and transform and evolve. So, you know, my, yes, the personal story as for many is the thing that led me to this work. And, you know, now Mm -hmm. present day, um, I do see about 40 clients a week. So it's, um, you know, it's a lot with, with clients, but I also love doing retreats and, you know, courses online. And, and as you mentioned before, using social platforms to, you know, bring uh, openings or curiosities, new thoughts forward for people who might not generally access it on their own. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's me, I guess, in a little bit of a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And I think it's so great that there are a lot of therapists and thought leaders kind of in that space on social media, because I think it's really redefining people's perception of like therapy or working with someone about their trauma or their baggage or their relationships. Because like personally, therapy was something growing up that I thought was like only for people that were like really struggling and like you had to be at rock bottom mm-hmm. to like go to therapy. And then eventually I changed my perception of therapy, started going to therapy and I'm like, everyone should be in therapy. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so do you feel like just in the past few years, the overall kind of like climate about therapy has changed or have you not noticed it as much? Yeah, no, it's, there's definitely been a shift and I do think that, the uptick in people presenting information and material um, on Mm. platforms like Instagram, for example, there is a normalizing that winds up happening and a familiarity that that can happen in that space. I found it in my practice where, you know, years ago, people, you know, they, you often call and you do a little bit of interviewing of the therapist and, you know, you want to see if it's a good fit or not. And I, I remember when there was a shift, when the phone calls were coming in and I would speak to people, and they were already committed. And a lot of times the narrative was, I've been following your work for, you know, six months or a year or two years. And Mm. so I already know about you and who you are and what your work is. And I remember that standing out to me, um, one, because I didn't have to sell anything anymore, right? I didn't have to interview anything. But 
But two, and probably the more important thing was that, you know, with time and that sense of comfort and safety and security and familiarity where people can sort of hear your voice through that platform, it became something that then was an invitation for people to lean into. And I think that part mm-hmm. of it is is really cool and powerful and amazing. And even if people aren't going to therapy, they're still accessing, you know, prompts or, you know, journaling questions right. or just, you know, like you said, these thoughts that are just being put out there where you can start to question belief systems that maybe were just programmed that have not been questioned your entire life. And there's this invitation to do it. And you see so many people doing that, that it feels comfortable uh, to lean into Mm -hmm. that, even if it's in the privacy of your own home. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to first kind of dive into the family system concept. So like, can you just define for people that aren't familiar, Mm -hmm. what is a family system and how does that inform like our way of being and our thought patterns and beliefs as we get older and, you know, our adults? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the therapy world, we talk about the the family of origin and that is the family system in which you grew up. So whoever is a participant in in that. And so sometimes right for for a lot of people that might look like, you know, a parental system that might mean that it's a sibling if you have any. Uh, for some people, it's their grandparents uh, who maybe either lived with them or lived down the street f- uh, from them. Maybe it's a cousin. Um, so it's it's the main players in your life who were part of uh, the unit around you uh, as you were growing up. For, for other people, it may be a nanny who was a huge participant or a babysitter. Um, so you know, we don't always think about just blood. Um, I have many clients mm-hmm. who uh, feel like they grew up in their neighbor's home, right? So you know, they might not have had parents who were home a lot of the time. And so they spent a tremendous amount of time um you know, at the neighbor's home and, and felt very impacted, um, affected and influenced by, by those people. And so, you know, I know when we say family system, obviously for most people, what comes to mind is blood and might be that nucleus, um, family, but you want to look for anybody who really had a big role in your life and, and sort of extend outside of the nucleus as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, why that's important is that, that system is is the first system in which we grow up, right? So it is the model uh, in which we see how people communicate, how people fight, how people hold things in, how people deal with conflict, how people um, believe about all different things, right? So whether it's gender, whether it's religion, whether it's race, whether it's money, communication, education, sports, you know, the list goes on and on. We, we begin to receive the messaging and the storyline about who we are and how we ought to be in this world, right? And so it's given to mm-hmm. us, right? When we're kids, we don't know how to develop that on our own. We believe that the adults know best. <laughs> we believe that, you know, the, the people who have come before us have something figured out. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they have some stuff figured out for sure. And then a lot of times they're still trying to integrate their own stuff. And so, you know, that, that is why this work is so important and powerful where we start to question and explore because, you know, if somebody hasn't done their healing work, then what they give us then becomes something that wasn't integrated for them. 
right? And so that's mm-hmm. how pain and wounding and, you know, dysfunctional patterns sometimes do get passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting because I remember the time period where I realized that my parents were like flawed mm-hmm. humans who were just trying to like figure stuff out for themselves yeah. too. And that like they were on their own journeys instead of like they figured everything out. Then they had me and then they're teaching me how to have everything figured out. Like I, it was so interesting the moment I realized that my parents were just like flawed humans yeah, too. It's, it's such an awakening. And I think, you know, a lot of times we do get messages from, from parents who might say things like, you know, do as I say and not as I do as an example, where you can sort of see mm-hmm. the misalignment in things where it's like, I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm the authority and I'm older than you and there's a hierarchy here, but I'm also in the same breath sort of telling you that I don't have it all figured out. And so when you start to like really like pay attention to some of those things, like there's really, there's a ton of beauty that can, that can come from that space. I think there's something really special when we remind ourselves that the people came before us were also children at some point and that, you know, it's just generation to generation that we're all going through this, this process and this journey, whatever, whatever words you want to use. And, you know, it can, it can bring, both a sense of compassion um, and mm-hmm. some anger. <laughs> like there's a there's a mm-hmm. whole range of emotion that can that can happen in that space. But I think you are reminded of the humanness and that um, maybe not everything that is was or is given to you is is accurate for you. Um, that it may mm-hmm. not be your story to absorb, right? That this may not be the way you are going to think about the world or the way you're going to choose to think about your body, you know, as, as examples. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that awakening yeah. is so powerful where you have this opening to the reclamation process of how do I begin to own my own thoughts and my own beliefs and become an observer of what it is that I'm choosing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what kind of is that process that you like, as you see it unfolds in your unfold in your clients when they realize like, oh, I have this thought pattern or belief system based on someone who is in my family system and I'm not choosing it. Like what are kind of the steps to let go and like pick something new? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you get as far as that moment where you do realize, oh, that that's either not for me or I no longer want to sort of participate in uh, participate in it that way. There, this reprogramming, right? This reconditioning takes a ton of self awareness, and you'll hear me often say observation of the self, because mm. it's so easy to fall right back into the way in which we know it. Right. Um, that's what's so hard. That's why breaking patterns can be really challenging because it just happens, right? That's why self awareness, moving into a, a conscious state. Um, and being very reflective is really important. And so, you know, some of the things that we wind up doing is, you know, meditating or journaling or practice sort of observing thoughts in motion. And a lot of times it's really helpful to do that from a place of choosing it as opposed to like, when it happens, I'll just try to notice it, you know, mm-hmm. be becoming really intentional and deliberate is one of our easiest and fastest ways to get there, you know, where you carve out 
you know, a chunk of time, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour where you are practicing being an observer of yourself, um, where you are practicing what story you want to be living into, where you are noticing when you go back into an old pattern. And even if you do fall into that, just the observation of, oh, there, there I am again. Here's what I need to do in order to move myself to, to a different ending or outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that next step, once you realize that you really want to change a pattern or a program is, is leaning into the updating of a new operating system. I, I love using that language because we do it with our right. phones and our devices so much. Yeah. Um, and, and that one's a little bit easier. We just push a button and it happens. <laughs> if only, if only right? Yeah. yeah. If only we could do that with our mind. But um, we are having to update that operating system. And so we do need a bit of structure uh, in order to do that. And so, you know, like I said, journaling, meditation, uh, breath work, presence to self, really dropping in and connecting. Sometimes I have clients put reminders on their phone so that like the alarm pops up to Mm. have a prompt that's just like, um, you know, what's the thought that you're thinking right now? And is it aligned with your new pattern or an old pattern? Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can really do things that really disrupt your day to day because you will operate from, you know, a non-conscious space, right. Either your subconscious or unconscious space, um, you know, the majority of the time. So yes, we're having to move ourselves actively into the space of, um, awareness. Yeah. Okay. So once someone identifies like, okay, this is not serving me or this is not something that I want to like take on anymore. How can we not be either judgmental or like frustrated when that pattern keeps popping up for a while, right? Because it's not instant, like upgrading your phone. It's going to take some time. But in the meantime, like you've identified that that is not serving you, but it's still there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to understand why we do go to that space and and that psychoeducation around it is powerful because it does allow us to have a bit of flexibility with ourselves instead of just getting upset or getting Mm. annoyed with ourselves. Like the, the programming is real, right? Like we are going to go into that space because that's how humans operate, right? Like we have been built upon doing it one way. And then when you're asking yourself to do it another way, it is not that easy when you have Mm -hmm. decades of doing it one way under your belt. Secondly, you have to think about some of the other constraints that might pop up for you. So for, you know, clients of mine, um, a common, a common narrative might be the sense of loyalty to a family system, right? That there's a, there's um, a part that feels not right or not good about leaving the way in which my family system does things, mm-hmm. right? Because like evolving or transforming into this new way. And in fact, you may even get people making comments about you doing something a little bit different, like, oh, you think you're so good or, you know, because that mm-hmm. does happen where you have those side comments from a sibling or a parent um, or even friends who might be living a certain way um, that now see you trying to do something a little bit differently. Right. And so, like, what does that mean about us that you're trying to change? Right. That you judge us, that you think that the way that I'm doing it is wrong and that the way that you're doing it is, is right. And so you Mm -hmm. can see that activation from a lot of people. And so if you are a people pleaser or a caretaker, um, in terms of like a role, let's say within your relationships, there may be a part of you that tries to still protect everybody else 
you know, at mm-hmm. the expense of you actually moving forward. And so mm-hmm. I, I just bring that example forward as one thing that could be a constraint that has confusion around the emotion as you're moving through that, as you're trying to claim a new way of being, but have trouble doing it. It may be the programming and the conditioning, but it also may be something that's a little bit more subtle that has, you know, that sense of loyalty to, or I don't want to be judged by others or, you know, and so just paying attention and dropping into, you know, what's coming up for me. So instead of getting angry and judgmental about you not moving quickly enough, or you not taking the steps that you really want to be taking, instead of turning away from it, turn towards it and get curious Mm -hmm. about it to see, okay, well, what's actually happening here? What's happening in my sort of internal world, my emotional world? What is making this really challenging? And lean into the emotion instead of leaning away from it. Judgment leans away, right? Curiosity Mm -hmm. leans towards. And so if you're struggling, get to know yourself a little bit better, get to understand what's blocking it get to understand why this is really challenging and what's confronting about it because you may find something in there that is really important and really good information for you to sort of rise above it on your own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like we we try to move to the next level and we have kind of an idea of like, oh, once I get there, things are going to be better. Things are going to be easier. But I've found in my life, like usually when I'm ready to change my programming or like create a new belief system it gets harder before it gets easier and I think when people hit that like harder patch they they might think that Mm -hmm. then that's wrong like they're they're moving in the wrong direction if it's getting harder first yeah it's a it's a fair point because I think you know, when we have an idea of how it's supposed to go, right, mm-hmm. and then it, it does not align with that, we can often say that it's the wrong thing, or, right. you know, this is this is too hard. And so maybe that means something, right? We're, we're big meaning makers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when, again, like I said, this expectation is not happening in the way that you wanted it to, um, it's recognizing that it doesn't always take shape and size in the way that you plan it to. In fact, I would probably say more times than not, and probably almost always, <laughs> it's yeah. going to take form really differently than how you plan for it to, because yeah. that's that's the process of newness. You know, the right. I mean, you've never been there. Yeah, right. And so trying to predict it um, is is not always helpful. I mean, I think that there are times where anticipating certain things and, and trying to predict certain things can be useful. But I think when you're doing this work, the greatest piece of you know advice, if you will, um, that I would offer is to just be present to it, right? That as you move through it, whatever it is that's coming up for you is information for you. Mm -hmm. To try to pretend as if you're going to have the answers or that you ought to know what this is going to look like is not going to be of service to you, right? Presence will be of service to you. Presence is going Mm -hmm. to be the thing that asks you to slow down and connect to what's happening right now in this moment. What am I feeling right now? What is hard right now? What is confronting right now? What feels easy right now? Whatever, whatever, it is right and and then being able to answer that that holds all of your information right mm. in the present mm-hmm. moment it will begin to guide you and when you disconnect from that and distract from it by needing to uh, know exactly what the next thing is going to be it is just a distraction from being deeply connected to the self yeah 
Yeah. It's like the, the more you can surrender, the faster you can actually move through it too. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, easier said than done for sure. For sure. But, I, but I think it's like when you're listening to, you know, this conversation or podcasts like this, right? Like it's allowing yourself to notice when that moment happens, even if you can't stay in it for longer than 10 seconds, you know, mm-hmm. it's like just noticing it, trying to buy yourself a little extra time because the things that we're saying, even though it may be easier said than done are still valuable things that you want to try to integrate, even if it can only last a few seconds. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's so powerful and such a good reminder for just any type of personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I would love to switch gears a little bit and go more into romantic relationships as well. Because I mean, a lot of my listeners are like millennial age women. So Mm -hmm. most of us are like in partnership, maybe looking for partnership. And I think this is an area that women, like we're, we almost just expect ourselves to know how to have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not really like students of a healthy relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear from you. What are just some, I guess this is kind of a can of worms, but some surefire signs or surefire ways that we can identify like a toxic versus a healthy relationship just so we can kind of lay a baseline. Sure. Um, I'm going to note, I read something yesterday um, from a colleague of mine on one of her posts and she said something about how that we are a culture that um, is, I don't know if she used the word obsessed, but let's just use it, obsessed with falling in love, but mm. not like being in relationship or like, you know, and I think that that really resonates with and depicts what you were just saying is that, you know, we put so much energy into finding someone and like falling in love and, and then wait, shoot, I don't know what to do once I am. And then Mm -hmm. real life hits. And so, um, you know, I think that that's a really important distinction. So thanks for saying that. Um, so in terms of, you know, (sighs) I know you said it like, obviously there isn't right this like one list. And if you can check these boxes, that's that's your answer. But I do think I always come back to someone who uh, presents with self and relational awareness, right? That somebody who is um, aware of their programming and conditioning. So a lot of what we were just talking about is seeing someone who is curious, seeing someone who is aware of themselves, seeing someone who is able to identify areas of their life that they are working on and wanting to expand and can see the areas that are disconnected. And I know sometimes that's really hard to, um, figure out in a first date or a second date, but I think it's what we're working towards is like self-aware and having someone who is um, sort of on the same page of what this healing work looks like is one of the most important Mm. things that I have ever found. Obviously, the list of being kind and being thoughtful and being respectful and being honest, like, of course, those things are important. But I think that the bigger picture, if we were to zoom out a little bit, is that someone who is practicing self-awareness is and as integrating their findings is is generally going to be someone with whom you can have a healthy relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, signs of um, toxicity or dysfunction within within the dynamic um, 
uh, our our researcher John John Gottman, he's a big big name in the field of marriage and family therapy and, and relationships, but um, he he has the four predictors of of relational failure. Um, he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, some <laughs> people might be familiar with them, but uh, their defensiveness, criticism, contempt, and stonewalling, and mm. those are. Let me put it this way. We all do all of them at some point or another, right? I have been critical. I've been defensive. I've been contemptuous. I've, I've stonewalled before. I've really shut down before. But so it's not about, oh gosh, I've done those things you before. You can't ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to do those things and, and that's going to be a part of, of dynamics here and there. But I think what what the findings really show is that when we're residing in that space often, um, that's, that is a lot of, that will always be unhealthy. Contempt is, is the worst one. Um, mm. you know, there's a lot of put, put downs that happen in contempt. There's a feeling of hierarchy that happens there, disgust, sarcasm. Um, mm. and so when you're operating in that space all the time or often, right, that there's, there's very little room for the relationship to thrive, you know, take right. defensiveness, right? Of course we all get defensive from time to time. No, not me. I didn't do that. That's not what I meant. You know, like that's, that's pretty normal and, and average, but when a person can't receive feedback ever right? Right. or take responsibility. Yes, there's lack of ownership. There's a lack of accountability, you know, often all the time, you know, like those are big signs. That somebody is really blocked now. Right. Obviously in the world of, you know, we talk a lot about gaslighting, manipulation, um, you know, and, and how often we can see that present where, you know, someone is just using language to, to manipulate experiences that, that we're having. And, you know, so oftentimes those people can be really quick with their words. They're quick on their feet, quick, quick with their words. They're, um, usually quite like really smart people too, where they're able to like navigate and move the language around mm. quickly where you start to even question yourself. Like, well, maybe I did get that wrong. Um, yeah. you know, those are obvious big signs for people, but you know, I, I would say that the four horsemen is a really good, um, place to start. You yeah. want to experience people who are open, who are willing to look at themselves, who can, acknowledge and take ownership, who can apologize, who are like people who are just really interested in looking at themselves and, you know, bettering themselves and um, seeing the parts of themselves that um, have room for, for growth. So mm -hmm. hopefully that's enough of a, a bit of yeah. a list for you, but I think that's yeah. a good starting point. Definitely. And I mean, it's not that you need to be like, so tell me about your childhood trauma on the first <laughs> date, but like right. it is... It is a big like checkpoint for me as far as if someone's willing to open up about their background or things that they struggle with or ways that they're growing. And if they're not even willing to like go down any of those roads and okay. they just close off about them, like to me, that's a no go. Like I definitely need someone who's curious and open and like in progress. That's right. And yeah. the truth is you can you can really start to feel into it without even 
having those direct questions early right. on. Like you said, it could be a little intrusive to be like, so tell me about <laughs> your childhood and your trauma, um, yeah. you know, on a first date. But you will, you if you are paying attention, you will actually see the way in which a person thinks and observes themselves and other people. Even if you're out for a meal or a drink or grabbing a coffee, like watching those interactions, you can really very quickly see how how open or closed off a person is to their mm. to their inner world, um, right? You know, and the more practice that you have with that, of course, um, you know, the quicker you will pick up on those things. But um, yeah, notice notice in the little stuff um, how a person responds to how are you? Even you know, like right. do they just say I'm fine and move on, or is it someone who tells you a little bit more about the day now? That doesn't mean if somebody says that they're fine, that that's the sign to call it quits. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, really look and pay attention to some of the little stuff if you're not having those bigger conversations yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I think another thing, so I'm engaged. My fiance and I have been together for seven years now almost. Mm-hmm. And one thing that has been really crucial in our like growth as a couple and the success of our relationship has always been like, communication obviously like that's something that everyone talks about is communication but especially learning the differences between our communication styles so can you talk a little bit about just general ways that like men and women might communicate differently assuming this is a heterosexual couple obviously Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so again, for me, I obviously almost always go back into understanding the programming and the conditioning and the family system and, and the messaging. Yeah. And so, you know, as much as there, you know, obviously a lot of people try to move away from, um, solely gender focused, um, conversations. The reality of it is, is that still many of us grew up with traditional programming and, you know, beliefs and narratives around it. And so, you know, whether you want to identify as non-binary or not, you know, this is still, um, you know, a powerful conversation to have that recognition of what did you receive growing up? Because how we communicate, again, there's a template that happens, right? So if the men in your life were closed off, shut down, um, passive aggressive, uh, they didn't want to talk about emotion, you grew up in a culture or an environment where boys were not allowed to cry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like as much as we're trying to crack through a lot of those messages and narratives, it doesn't mean that people right now aren't still combating them. And, and so we Mm -hmm. do look at some of the, um, common threads that, uh, were, were programmed, uh, you know, 30 years ago, um, 20 years ago. I mean, they're still there, right? So you just have to bring a sense of curiosity forward. And so, you know, it's not uncommon still to have, you know, women who want to talk about a lot of things and um, men who might say, you know, it's all good. I'm fine. Everything's, everything's okay. Um, But I don't want to put it too much in two different camps. I think it's important to get curious about how each person did grow up and, you know, what that, what that programming Mm. um, has led to. So with that said, though, the, I'll I'll put it this way, sort of like the masculine energy um, really likes to get things right, be a fixer, um, wants to solve problems. Um, 
the feminine energy really likes to be heard and understood, listened to. Um, and, and that's why a lot of times within communication, you'll notice that a man might go to a space of trying to solve the problem or fix mm-hmm. it or find a solution, um, might be listening for some of the facts that he can, he can answer to. Um, and, on the other side of things, that is often why the classic example of like, I just want you to hear me. I don't need right. you to fix anything. Um, and so noticing what it is that I need from this conversation is really important. So that's one of the things that narrating that is, is, is powerful. Hey, I'm bringing this to you and here's what I know that I need from it. Sometimes we don't actually have that answer. Sometimes we're like, I don't know what I need, but I know that I just need to say this. Um, but yes, how we communicate is, um, really important to get to know. And obviously each couple, and it's sometimes how the couple sort of um, comes together, like how you communicated in a previous relationship may actually be different than how you communicate in your current relationship or a future mm-hmm. relationship. And so recognizing that different parts of you can come forward um, is is important. But the best thing that I can say here is that um, opening up and being able to really openly talk about the ways in which you observed communication, the ways in which you know that you communicate well, or how the things that generally happen that disconnect you from communication is a really important thing to, conversation to have with a partner at some point, mm-hmm. because you want to have that shortcut to, okay, this is what's going to shut us down. This is what's going to disconnect us versus here are the things that are actually going to keep us engaged in this conversation. And then also knowing what it is that I need from this conversation. Sometimes I do want us both to problem solve, or sometimes I just want you to sit there in silence and just hear me and connect to me. So the more that we know what it is that we need in any given moment, um, the the more the more success that we're going to have and a lot of times that's finding our way through it in the mess and in all of the ways that we do it wrong and disconnect from each other and come back to say all right what happened there and how do we do this differently moving forward mm-hmm. i think it can be tough for people and i've noticed like at least in my clients, women specifically, it can be hard to be very upfront with like, here's what I need from you right now, especially mm-hmm. as the women who tend to be more like helper types and people that are always looking out for what they can do for others. So mm-hmm. what are some ways that women can get better about stating their needs or maybe you know, similarly, like setting boundaries, because for me, like Mm -hmm. that's been one of the most important things for my inner peace and like a healthy relationship. So do you have any advice on that? Yeah, it's getting like really connecting to what the, what the fear is, what the concern is, what the, what the threat or stress is on the other side of bringing that need forward Mm. and voicing it, right? What do you think is going to happen, right? The reason why we don't do something is because it serves something for us. It keeps the peace. I, I remain the caretaker. I remain the person that this other person is going to, to love and like, right? Right. And so being able to identify what it is that feels scary to us on the other side 
side of bringing this forward is is powerful because when we name that, then we can start to work with it. Mm-hmm. Right? If we don't know what it is that we're protecting against, it's really hard to work with it because you can't just force yourself. You know, it's like that that thing that needs to be protected is going to be more powerful than you trying to override it. Right. And so you have to identify and name the thing that you are trying to protect. And from there, you can start to unpack it. You can start to see if there's you know a little bit of an opening where you can start to inch yourself forward and say, I know I've been a caretaker my entire life. I was a caretaker for you know this parent, or I had to grow up quickly here, or I had to always be okay because my sibling wasn't. Whatever the story is, but where do I want to be a person who is able to voice a need? Mm-hmm. I see the value in that. Here's what scares me about it. And then whatever it is that scares me about it, how do I approach it? Maybe that is a conversation with a partner that says, hey, I realize that I have needs, but I also notice that I avoid them because I worry that if I bring it forward to you, you're going to think I'm needy or you're going to think that like I can't handle things on my own and I worry about you having that narrative about me. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Opens up dialogue. Granted, I'm you know, going off the assumption that we have relationships where we can have those conversations. So, you know, sometimes that answer might be, I don't bring this forward because I know that my partner is going to shut down and become defensive, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm protecting against. So I, I think the best next step, once you do identify like, Hey, I have needs and this feels like a really good thing to, to bring forward. And I'd like to do that is to identify what the fear is, the concern, the threat, the stress is on the other side of that and start to work with that, that component of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, and I think a lot of it also is like, we're just afraid to like rock the boat or like create conflict. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think you've said before, like getting along with someone is like the easy part, right? Like keeping the peace is the easy part, but like conflict is actually where you can like get stronger and gain information about your relationship. So how can we see conflict as like helpful and necessary instead of something to be avoided at all costs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the narrative around conflict is, is so hard, right? Because most of us didn't see conflict done well. We didn't mm. see functional conflict, right? That's that's really true. Most of the people, I mean, some people had had parents or um, some template of, of healthy conflict, but it's it really is few and far between, at least in my experience. And mm-hmm. so I think the recognizing that most of us try to avoid conflict because in our experience, it led to divorce, it led to abuse, it led to passive aggressiveness, it led to people not talking, it led to, you know, tension in in the home that was awful, it led to somebody drinking more, right? Like there's so many different stories around where conflict goes. And Mm -hmm. and usually it's not this beautiful, happy ending. And so, you know, like the first place is recognizing, hey, I would really like to change that storyline around conflict conflict. I want to, be, I, I, I hear Vienna say that conflict is something is one of the most beautiful gateways to, um, connection, uh, deeper intimacy and, um, sort of like the awakenings and revelations of the self and the other. When we are in conflict, there's important information there. And I think what you were getting at before is that when we're happy and like things are going well, that is great. 
we're also not usually learning a whole lot new about ourselves and each mm-hmm. other when we're just in that that place that we really like to be. So we can learn so much about conflict, in, uh, sorry, in conflict, because there's a part of us that's coming forward that is upset for a reason, right? That's reacting or responding in a certain way for a really important reason. Right. And conflict does let us know that something is not addressed or not healed or not taken care of. And so it needs us. It really needs us. And so when we start to navigate conflict differently and, um, maybe we'll talk about this at the end because I have a, a course, an online course that's starting in January where a majority, a big portion of the course is around functional conflict mm. and really learning how to get connected to it, how to manage those stress response or threat response that we have based on how we grew up around conflict versus how I want to do it differently with you. It takes so much work again. Again, yeah. we're back to the programming and the conditioning. Yeah. So the first place is to believe that the people who are who are telling you that it's possible for conflict to be functional, that we're not lying to you. <laughs> like I promise you that it is possible for conflict to be functional. Yeah. And, you know, from the space of there being such important information there, um, it is letting us know about the wounding, about the pain, about the hurt, about the not being seen, not being understood parts of us. And when we you know, when we love someone, right, the hope is that we lean into that curiosity to say, you know, what's going on there because we're reacting in this way because there's a part of us that really does need to be acknowledged and seen here. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that. And you're right that I think most people don't have good a good model or template to follow for productive conflict. So I'm super excited to hear about that course. And we'll definitely um, touch on like where people can find it in a second. But the last piece I'd love for you to touch on is therapy. And obviously, some of us aren't there yet. But in terms of therapy or personal development, how can we be more committed to working on ourselves in big or small ways in the new year? Like what are some action steps that we can be taking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously it's a personal and sort of individual journey to coming to that space where, um, you know, therapy or some type of personal work is, you know, is aligned for you and that you're ready to, to lean into it. I think <clears throat> if I, can speak to therapy, you know, I obviously am biased and, and think it's <laughs> like one of the best things in the world when, but, but when you find the right fit. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people have, you know, not so great experiences if they aren't with, you know, a therapist who lines up with them well. And so I think it's, you know, in the time between now and, and whenever you lean into that, maybe considering, you know, just one area of your life that you're willing to lean into and get curious about. I think sometimes it can feel really overwhelming for people to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go into therapy. And then I have to talk about my entire life, yeah. my entire family system, <laughs> Rehash like, oh. all this stuff. <laughs> rehash it. And then I have to unpack all of my programming. Are you kidding me? And all of my beliefs are now going to get uprooted and turned upside down. And, you know, that of course would be overwhelming. That's overwhelming to me, even just saying it out loud. And so I think one of the best things that we can do is, you know, like look at one area of our lives that we want to explore more, um, that we want to, to challenge and get curious about, um, you know, sometimes as sort of where we started today was, um, 
maybe just following a couple of people on social media where there are some exercises and activities that you can do on your own time. Getting mm-hmm. familiar with thinking about something new. Um, there's beautiful free journals out there on, yeah. on Instagram where, you know, take 10 minutes in the beginning of your day to get curious about something, whether it's just for the self or for your relationship. And so I, I love a good really, journal prompt. Yes. A good <laughs> journal prompt is so, so, so powerful. So I think for me, for somebody who's sort of new to this or, or considering it or a little bit nervous, it's just take the baby step, really mm-hmm. take the baby step. And if that means doing it in your own time, um, in the privacy of your own home, start there and then work yourself outwards a little bit, whether that's therapy, whether that's coaching, whether that's going to a retreat, whether that's taking a course, whatever it might be, but, but start with choosing one area of your life that you would really like to explore and get more curious about. And maybe more specifically, you might say, Hey, I want to take some time to explore my beliefs around religion or explore my beliefs around conflict or explore my beliefs around, um, like sex and intimacy, right? And so just taking one area instead of trying to do the full overhaul of of our entire lives is a really good (laughs) starting point. Okay, I love that. And I love that you mentioned social media being a great resource. So where can people find you? Where can they get more of what you do? And definitely share that course with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, my handle is mindfulmft, as in marriage family therapy. Um, and, you know, I, I'm posting there every day and, you know, like, uh, hopefully, you know, thought provoking things that get you to really think about your own life and um, mm-hmm. to think about relationships a little bit differently. Um, the course it's uh, called Get the Love You Want. It's for any relationship status. We go, we dive into self awareness, um, boundaries, conflict, and sex and intimacy. It's a six week online course um, that starts January eighth. You can do it from anywhere in the world. You can go at your own pace, but it, it's the last time that Connor and I, my, my husband and I are doing the course with live coaching calls. Um, oh, cool. an amazing, I, I actually am really proud of the course. I never thought that an online course would, would, I don't know, stack up to, to therapy in, in some ways, um, right. because it's so, it feels so much less personal. And I actually am really proud of the course and it's, uh, like been beautiful. We've taken two, two classes through it already. So, um, that Great. is on my website and it's also, um, on my social platform. My website is newyorkcouplescounseling.com. So people can find all the events and retreats and all that that's upcoming, but I'm happy to send you the link so that you can um, put it in the notes for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And one last thing, because this is a grind and be grateful podcast, we ask all of our guests, what is one big goal that you're currently grinding for and working really hard for? And what's one thing that you are hugely grateful for? Uh, The grind, which is so hard is (laughs) I am really leaning into writing a book, but let me tell you, it is the, like one of the greatest challenges of my life. I can not Mm. tell you how much resistance I have to it (laughs) and how many blocks I have around it. So I am really grinding through the resistance and and the blocks. Um, And Mm. gratitude, uh, just one that's hard. Um, I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it up to my partner. I 
am so grateful awesome. for Connor, who is really the epitome of the type of partner that I talk to other people about, where I'm like, you know, this person mm. who brings self and relational awareness forward. And I am so grateful to have someone who stands shoulder to shoulder with me, who is able to shed light on my blind spots and who does it in such a beautiful, delicate, gentle, and forthcoming, uh, direct way. Uh, and so I'll, I'll shout out Connor <laughs> for this Amazing. one. Yeah. I love that. Very fitting as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom with us. I'm sure everyone loved this episode. So guys, please go send Vienna some love mm -hmm. and go check out everything that she just shared with us. And Vienna, thank you so much for everything. Um, and we can't wait to have you back. Thanks so much, Marie. Thank you guys so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. And please leave the show or view on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. It would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women to become their very best selves and create more content that you're going to love. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.